SA Crypto, South Africa's largest blockchain community and news outlet. Okay, welcome to this edition of the SA Crypto podcast. And uh, with me for the second time is the CEO and founder of uh, Altcoin Trader, one of the oldest crypto exchanges in South Africa, Richard D'Souza. Richard, welcome once again, this time via Skype to SA Crypto. Morning, James. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, we appreciate doing the interviews with you. I know that it's been quite a stressful time for you. Um, let's just get straight into uh, where you guys are at. Obviously, um, it was uh, apparent that you had some kind of security breach on your, on your platform on Friday morning. Um, it must have been a stressful time. Would you mind just taking us through exactly what you know and uh, what happened from your side? Okay, certainly we'll go <clears throat> through that and we'll unpack it step by step so that uh, everyone under, out there understands exactly what happened. But just quickly before we do that, I just wanted to say, James, you guys are certainly all over at SA Crypto. We're the first guys to contact us, the first guys to get something out there. So hat off to you guys. You're really top of your game there. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Uh, okay, so we, uh, we were first alerted to something being a little bit amiss on the early hours of Friday morning, um, probably around 1.30. Um, because we were doing, um, you know, normal uh, hardware upgrades at that time, we initially just dismissed it as part of the hardware upgrade that was taking place. And, we, you know, we sort of didn't take it that serious. We thought as soon as the, the hard drives and the hardware is sorted out, everything will go back to normal. Because remember, at this point, it was really just a non-responsive and a sluggish website that we were uh, experiencing. Um, after the hardware was replaced and the guy said to us, look, everything should be back to normal, we took a closer look and we realized that this wasn't a hardware issue. Um, the, the sluggishness in the site, which we had seen, was not uh, related to that. And then, of course, we started to notice a couple of irregularities in the order book. And it very slowly unfolded to us that there was um, some type of breach and someone had found an exploit. Uh, at this stage, we were still not concerned because the nature of our business and the way we protect our clients' funds is that audits um, are, are run on a regular basis and any withdrawal that seems to be out of place is automatically stopped and waited so that we can put eyes on that withdrawal before we process it. Now that is a bit of a double-edged sword because a lot of clients get frustrated when they do first-time withdrawals or abnormal withdrawals because there's generally a delay on them. Um, but in this case, it obviously proved pertinent because it allowed us the chance to, first of all, find out what was going on. All the, um, the potential uh, breach withdrawals were placed on hold, so we had a lot of time. Um, it was at that point that we decided, despite the potential reputational damage, we were going to put our client's security first and we were going to pull the site down for further investigation. So that's exactly what we did. And as you know, things started to unfold from there. Um, we had, uh, you know, an onslaught of people asking what was going on, why the site was down. It took us maybe a little bit longer than we should have to get a proper maintenance page up and to start getting that communication flowing. Uh, I think the reason for that was because it's pretty much the first time anything like this has happened to us. We've had minor incidences in the past. But um, we weren't really that slick in our, in our preparation, so it took us a bit, time, a bit of time to get communicating. But that did all get resolved. We were very confident at all stages that all clients' funds were safe and secure, so um, it, it, it was nothing serious for us. 
despite the fact that obviously the site was down. Who was the first person on your team to discover that there had been a breach? Okay, it was one of the partners, um, Frick. He discovered that, uh, that there was irregularities. Um, he communicated that, and within uh, seconds, you know, we had made everything inaccessible to, um, you know, to the general public and to the would-be uh, guy that had gained access to the site. Were, so, so was Frick online? Were some of your team actually online at the time that the breach was discovered? Frick was online. Um, the reason he was online, he was actually monitoring our site. He happened to be in New York at the time of the incident, so he was monitoring it from there. Okay. Uh, do you guys have any idea as to where the, the breach came from? Was it a Scandinavian country? Was it South American, African perhaps? Any idea as to location of the, of the hackers? We know the exact location, we know the exact people, and we know exactly what happened. Um, it initiated in Egypt. Um, they were using, of course, uh, they were spoofing IP addresses. So that location is the location that we believe it came from. However, we can't say that with any type of, uh, you know, surety because it was moving around. But our forensic auditors and our investigators have got a, have got a handle on exactly the individuals involved. Um, it is safe to say that there was one local individual involved and we are just compiling our evidence before we uh, take this further. If we do find that we have enough evidence, we will obviously be taking this through the, uh, to the authorities and laying cases and hoping to get an arrest and jail time. So um, you are pursuing this from a legal perspective. Uh, you know, you guys um, aren't just writing this off. You want to you, you want to catch these guys. Well, first of all, there's nothing to write off because there were no funds successfully extracted from the exchange. Okay. But we are certainly hoping to take it, um, you know, to take it further because at the end of the day, it is it was an attempt at theft. So right now, what we will do is we will be taking advice from our attorneys. We'll be seeing how um, viable it is to take it further. Obviously, it's not a cut and dry case because, um, you know, the nature of these people is that they, they protect themselves and yeah. they cut all the, uh, the, their tracks. So we are not going to waste our time if we feel we, we, we don't have a case. Obviously, then we know um, what the situation is. But if it is viable, we certainly will take it further. Absolutely. Uh, just take us through your hot wallet uh, practices. Um, obviously, in recent years, um, hot wallet protocols have become quite important for exchanges like yours. Uh, you guys have implemented hot wallet practices. You keep a low, a low hot wallet balance, I believe. Um, just take us through when you started uh, you know, these kind of protocols and how did it actually help um, the scenario when, when you guys got breached? Well, you know, we basically started with hot wallets from the get-go. Um, we, the hot wallets, it was just that they weren't as sophisticated as they were now. But the general implementation was started from, from the day we launched. Um, I actually think, James, that these days there is no excuse for an exchange to, to lose clients' funds. You know, it's, it's quite, it's really common sense. If you have a hot wallet and you have uh, limited funds online that anyone can potentially get and those funds are taken, it's not devastating. You don't lose your entire client's investment. So when exchanges get hacked, the first thing that I always question is how did this happen? Because why wasn't hot, why weren't hot wallets implemented? So 
In this case, I must, uh, you know, I just want to reiterate that it is a very good practice, hot wallets and so on. But in this case, it didn't really help us because no funds were extracted. In a situation where someone drained the hot wallet, then it would help us. Where someone actually successfully uh, took funds out of the exchange, then obviously a hot wallet would limit the amount of funds that were taken out of any, any exchange. Um, in this case, because no funds were taken, obviously the hot wallet was of no benefit to us. But, and this is a big but, it did stop the potential of what could have happened. You know, So all of our coins have got hot wallets that have got limited holdings. So at any one time, uh, no one can extract the whole amount. There is also one other thing that I wanted to just put forward with regard to security, which is incredibly important in this industry. Um, at Altcoin Trader, no single individual has access to our clients' funds. So in other words, if someone had to get hold of, of you know, one of our partners, or if someone um, went rogue, or if someone decided that they were going to uh, take the funds, they wouldn't be able to do it alone. We need at least three people to be involved, uh, to get funds, even if that's just to top up a hot wallet. So no funds can be extracted by a single person anywhere. It's, it's probably similar to a garage or a petrol station saying no cash held on premises. Um, access is extremely limited and we feel very proud of the way we control our clients' funds and security. So um, obviously that's, um, you know, that's, that's quite pertinent after the Canadian exchange hack a couple of months ago, or rather, um, well, it was speculated whether it was a Canadian exchange hack or, or whether it truly was the founder of that Canadian, Canadian exchange um, did, did indeed die. Um, what's your thoughts on, on that scenario? It was uh, Quadriga, I think it was. Um, that, was quite a, that was quite a big news story, Quadriga being the largest uh, crypto exchange in Canada. Um, and uh, people starting to blame that it was the founder actually had passed away and he had, he had the only access to those funds. I mean, that's, there's something fishy about stories like that. Um, and, and as you say, for an exchange to have all the, the funds tied up with one person just sounds ludicrous. Uh, it's absolutely ludicrous. You know, what we've got to bear in mind is that the crypto industry is in its infancy. So there isn't protocols that have been made mandatory. While the government and the authorities play catch up, okay, it is up to us um, that are running crypto companies to have protocols in place that do protect our clients and do protect the public. So obviously these guys have put together a lot of tech, they've put together a lot of things, but they hadn't used enough common sense to say, what happens, you know, the common saying, what happens if I pass tomorrow? What happens if someone kidnaps me? What happens if any of these scenarios play out? And what we've taken a lot of care to, it doesn't matter. If I pass away tomorrow, everything continues to run just like it always did. So the fact that these guys hadn't implemented that and that they are the largest Canadian exchange, you know, just going back to the authorities haven't put in regulation and the, they weren't putting their clients' uh, safety at the forefront, and they weren't just basically using common sense, if I can put it at that. Yeah, sorry, my apologies. So it wasn't Quadriga, it was Maple, maple Change, and I, I, don't, I don't want to um, 
uh, state anything untrue and unverified. I don't think they were the largest exchange in Canada, but still, nonetheless, agreed. I mean, that, it raised a lot of questions about protocols. Um, do you guys practice any other kind of security protocols? Uh, I mean, you say there needs to be at least three people on your team who need to uh, verify ver- and, and authenticate various logins, various protocol changes, uh, various uh, uh, fund um, transfers, etc. Um, are there any other security protocols? Kind of like, um, I know it sounds a bit crazy, but uh, s- someone like One Direction, uh, the band members all fly on different jets, that kind of thing. Uh, it may seem a bit extreme, but what other protocols do you guys implement to stay as secure as possible? You know, we we have, and I like to think that we've covered uh, just about every eventuality. Um, it has taken a lot of thought, and this is something that was rolled out. You know, obviously, when we initially got into business, we hadn't planned it to this extent. But um, we, you know, we don't fly on the same plane purely because we can't all leave the company at once. But if if two of the three signatories that were needed for the multi-sig wallets were not around. We do have other keys with attorneys, with auditors. Um, so basically, uh, you would need, um, you know, we do have a succession plan in place. So even if something happened to all three of us, um, it would take some time because it's not easy to unravel and to get access to those funds, but they would be available. They wouldn't be lost. Um, you know, we've got, as I said, as I mentioned now, we've got our attorneys, our accountants, and a third party involved with looking after the keys. Because this needs to be taken extremely seriously. It is not our funds, okay, there is no regulation, and if something happens, um, we make, we have made sure that our clients will not get the short end of the stick. Yeah. Obviously, it's, it's always tricky to divulge the exact nature of this sure, because sure. of security reasons, but I would like to assure everyone out there that we have thought this through thoroughly, and we have put these, um, protocols in place and we feel very confident that um, it's extremely unlikely that we can ever lose funds at a scale that would affect our clients. Um, Just uh, take us through the founding process, Richard. Um, How long has it been since you first started putting Altcoin Trader together? I think from our last interview, if I remember correctly, it was around about 2013 you started started the project. And was it as early as that that you started looking at security or did you kind of build the platform and then think, flip, I need to work on security because this is uh, quite a valuable asset that we're building here? You know, James, when the, when the um, platform was coded, right, the initial coding, if I had to say that 20% was dedicated to functionality and coding and actually getting it to work, and 80% was dedicated to security, wow. I think that would be an underestimate, underestimate of actually what happened. So the entire thing was dedicated to security, not only security of funds, but security of how the site was written, how it would be exposed, um, you know, and all of the things that we have to take care of, unfortunately, in the cyber age. So what has happened um, is that security was not an afterthought. It was always initially done and put in place from the very get-go. Um, however, had, has it dramatically improved, um, you know, just as blockchain has improved and everything has improved. So we've constantly improved our protocols, improved 
you know, not only the security protocols and the technical aspect of it, but the common sense aspect of it. Like what happens if this scenario rolls around? So it's not always programmatically possible to solve a problem. Sometimes mm. you just have to solve it in real life and have a real um, backup plan. Yeah. So it, it constantly improves. Um, I like what you said that you can't programmatically um, solve all problems, which brings me on to uh, a bit more of a tougher situation for you, which was the communications of this. Um, I think uh, judging from what I saw, even on our Telegram group, um, we had a couple of our users a little bit upset. Um, and, and obviously, we've got to remain uh, uh, exchange neutral uh, in, in, from where we stand. We can't favor an exchange. We can't defend an exchange. Um, but at the same time, you know, there were users who were saying, hey, where's my funds? What's going on? Um, and I just want to draw your attention to an email that I even I personally received, a guy um, who, who emailed me and was quite fearful. Um, uh, and I'm just going, I'm not going to quote it, but just reading through some of the points, he said things like he's been in IT for a while. He called the, uh, the exchange, told the technical supervisor that he believes there's been a hack. Um, and he was asking questions about the Twitter um, and he just felt like it wasn't handled well. Now, from my opinion and my perspective, I would much rather an exchange um, be uh, battling with how they communicate the challenge and doing well from a security perspective than communicating it brilliantly, but actually there's been a real breach of funds. Um, how do you respond to some of the users and, and what would you like to say to them who actually did feel quite threatened during those uh, during those hours where the site was down? What would you like to say to the, them and what would your response be looking back? Well, you know, James, I personally have been in that position, um, having lost uh, a considerable amount of Bitcoin on Mount Gox, okay? And I went through that whole process where we couldn't log in, the site was down, the guys told us X, Y, and Z, and at the end of the day, it was a situation where we had lost our money. And even to this point, uh, right now, we still have never received those funds back. So I am fully sympathetic and I understand that scenario. Now, let's go through a couple of things. First of all, <clears throat> we had a lot of users that did get hold of us, um, were assured because our, our phones were manned the entire time. Our staff was answering the phones and they were communicating what happened. So we have a massive amount of users that were, hey, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. We're very excited about the way that you've handled this. And thanks. We just hope that you are not, uh, uh, that you are telling the truth and that our funds are going to be safe. But because that's a communication we see, we receive, we are going to trust you and we're going to see how this happens. Then, of course, um, you know, on a more mass scale where we uh, communicated with Twitter and that, I would agree and I would like to say, be the first to admit that maybe our communications were a bit slow, um, but people were expecting us to give them ETAs of when the site was going to come up. Um, they were expecting a whole lot of things. And at that point, remember, we were all in the, uh, you know, in the trenches trying to figure out exactly what had happened. Um, and it had caught us totally off guard. So we were not prepared for uh, handling um, the expectations of our clients. And maybe it's a bit too honest to admit that, but that was really the situation. So in future, we are going to certainly learn from this. We will be able to communicate better. Um, and I would agree with those guys. You know, we can't be all things to all people at all times. Um, we shifted our focus solely on security and making sure that those funds were safe. Um, of course, the rumor mill also kicked in and people started to say things that 
I don't even know where they get these stories from. You know, some of the stories that we heard are, to say the least, ludicrous, right? Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, it is what it is. We could have handled the situation better. I'd like to say that we certainly will handle it better if this ever happens again. And, um, yeah, it's pretty much it's, it's, it's something that happens in our industry. Yeah, I think that's uh, fair enough and, and well handled, in, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, the fact that you said yes to this interview just shows that you guys are willing to stand up and say, hey, you know what, we, we had a problem and uh, we were willing to admit that. So hats off to you guys. Um, Richard, just take us through uh, where you stand now in terms of uh, operations. Uh, is it more secure? Is it, did, you, did you roll back uh, to a previous version of the platform? Do you feel like um, you guys are, are at, at full operational um, capacity right now, or are there a couple of um, features and capabilities maybe that uh, aren't at, at uh, 100%? Well, let's, I'll tell you what has happened, what has transpired since the, the breach. We have seen a lot of clients withdrawing funds. Obviously, there's a lot of fear. Um, there's a lot of people that are wanting to know how safe their funds are. I think that all those withdrawals have been honored. Um, so what we've seen is that a lot of money has started to return to the platform. Obviously, people were testing it to make sure that we were able to, to send those funds out, and they've seen that that is the case. And now we're seeing a lot of the money coming back. Um, the site is certainly a lot more secure. Our monitoring mechanisms are vastly improved. We have a lot, lot more early warning systems. But um, we are, we're back to full capacity. Um, no clients have lost their funds. You know, we, everything is back to as it was. And I think what will happen in the days and the weeks to come is that as people, because there's still some people calling us scam artists on social media, but as people make withdrawals and as people get into the site, trade and uh, get paid their withdrawals, get paid their cryptos, and they actually see that there is no problem, that'll all die down. And uh, it doesn't matter if one person is calling us a scam and 500 people are making withdrawals and getting paid out. Eventually, the truth always comes to the surface. And, you know, we're not concerned. At the end of the day, going back to our vision, our vision is to get people involved in crypto. So if they're on our platform, we appreciate that. And uh, that is awesome. If they're on any crypto platform, we are excited because it is being put out to the community. So that's our thoughts on that. And just to answer directly, we're back to full capacity. There's nothing that is, is not, and we're back to how we were with an improved platform. Brilliant. Now, um, your view on the crypto landscape in South Africa. Uh, last year, there was the South African Reserve Bank releasing their consulting paper. Um, there's a lot of talk about, uh, about the future regulation of crypto assets in South Africa. Uh, how do you guys approach the, the landscape? I mean, Altcoin Trader has been very much a South African-focused exchange. Your ZAR pairings um, are obviously a unique feature for a lot of South African traders. Um, do you guys uh, have any um, uh, plan Bs in case the industry gets heavily regulated? Um, and what are your thoughts on, on the landscape here in the country? Well, you know, as you know, James, we do consult with the Reserve Bank. Um, we do have workshops and they are constantly communicating with us. I think right now that the Reserve Bank is doing an excellent job. Um, the way that they're planning to regulate and the way that they are planning to ensure that we can, um, you know, innovate in this industry, I think is, is, is first class. 
I don't think that we are under any type of threat. You know, I think that sound minds are prevailing. And as regulation comes in, it will be put in slowly. It'll be uh, made sure that it works. So I don't think that there's any cause for concern right now. Um, obviously, we have to be regulated because we have the fiat aspect in our, on our system. And as far as tax goes, if you make a profit, you are expected to pay tax, just like anything. So we closely monitoring regulation, we communicating with the Reserve Bank, and we feel that we're in a very strong position as a country, as a community, and with their plans going forward, I don't think anyone is at risk in any way, shape or form. And uh, just your, your general outlook on the industry in terms of uh, blockchain, what are you excited about most this year? A lot of people talking about security tokens um, and uh, security tokens being a, a, a very big contributor to, to investment this year. What are you seeing and what excites you the most personally in terms of your uh, research and interest in, in blockchain tech uh, so far? Well, James, I think what we've seen is there's two camps of people. There's people that are in it for investment and to make money. And then there's people that are in it for the technology and that are in it to change the financial system. So I think that as the industry matures, we need to stop looking at the next way we can make a quick buck. And what excites me beyond measure is the fact that never before has so much work been put into crypto. In 2018, technical teams... Um, uh, every aspect of our legacy financial system has been involved and have been looking at crypto. So what will typically happen in my mind is that the, the infrastructure, the platform has been built and has been continually built in a bear market. It has been made robust and it is ready for the next bear market. So what will happen is when the, the price... Next the next bull market. For the next bull market, sorry, quite right. So when we see the next bull market, we have the platform, we have the infrastructure, the entire world is ready for it. It will not fall over like it did late 2017. And I think that crypto will start to rise up and it will find its place where it should be. Right now, I believe crypto is heavily undervalued, undervalued but that will change. Um, and because of the infrastructure that has been put in place, that change will be permanent. So that is the single thing that excites me about crypto. At this stage, I'm not looking for the next big thing or the next tokens or all the, the new things that are coming out. I'm more focused on the innovation and the way that we are strengthening the existing infrastructure. Fantastic. Well, Richard, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, I know it's been a very hectic three days for you. Um, and well done. Um, from our side, uh, I can say we've, we have had people in the community jump on board and say from what they've seen, they've been impressed with your security response. And uh, I also want to say well done to not losing a single user's funds. I think that's a fantastic, uh, fantastic achievement. Um, and thanks for all your work in the industry for the South African blockchain uh, space. Well, James, thanks very much for having me on today. And yeah, once again, thanks very much for being on the news and uh, being there so quickly and always covering everything in such an awesome way. Thanks very much. Great stuff. Richard, thanks so much. Uh, and I assume everyone can go find you. They just visit oldcointrader.co.za. They can click on your Facebook, your Twitter, and uh, all the other social networks direct from your website, eh? They absolutely can, yes, James. Great stuff. Altcointrader.co.za. Richard, thanks so much, and uh, we'll chat to you hopefully under better circumstances next time. Thanks, James. Cheers. Cheers, man. SA Crypto. 
South Africa's largest blockchain community and news outlet.